You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Happy New Year! Welcome to the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan hanging out with me. And we're ringing in the new year. Big weekend. Not the least of which was the national championship playoff semifinals. And the worst nightmare for me came true because Alabama, whom I've said all along didn't didn't belong, they didn't deserve to be in there, knocked the hell out of Clemson. Brandon Atkins. Yeah. I told you before the game, if Kelly Bryant doesn't have the game of his life, Clemson's going to get dusted off. Well, first of all, I I'm I'm not going to make the joke that UCF has already won the national championship. Oh. But if you took all the jerseys off and looked at the resumes, everybody might be saying UCF, perfect season. Anyway, long story short, if you watched – by the way, this year is already flying by. Don't you think, fellas? It's the second. No, <laughs> I don't. If you watch – if you look – if it's almost over, it's going to be the coldest year on record. It's yeah, like I agree with that. Days, if and you, has been for two days. If you watch the game, those teams, and I don't want to see any eye rolls, if you really watched every bit of that game, those teams were really equal. There were a Which lot game of, were we talking about? The Clemson-Alabama game. So if you didn't watch the game, then you didn't see the turnovers, two of which were ran back to the house. There was a pick six on a tip. There were no clean interceptions. There was a pick six on the tip, then a guy fumbles, which, I mean, it's right there on the sideline how that guy stayed in and went to the house. So you're talking about it went from six, uh, 10 to 6, Alabama, with Clemson driving, turnover, and then there was two more turnovers for scores. There was really no offense by Alabama or Clemson after that. So fairly close game if you actually watch the game. If you didn't and just looked at the score, then okay. I'll buy that. Well, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I can say is two of the best defenses faced off, and yeah. Alabama's defense won. And they won the game with points. One was a direct result into a touchdown, and the other was the big lineman. They paid him off in the end zone, which was pretty cool to see. That was awesome. That, that was pretty cool to see, wasn't it? That yeah, was we'll awesome. I was a little disappointed that at the end of the game they awarded an offensive player of the game and a defensive player of the game because Payne obviously was your player of the game. And Jalen Hurts, his level of overratedness continues uh, because on offense I don't know what exactly he did to be player of the game, but – it is what it is. I guess he's just quarterback. I mean, you got to give it to somebody. Well, that's, that, that's what it's become in this day and age. Is you know the Heisman goes to the best quarterback, the MVP goes to the best quarterback, MVP of the game, whether it's the Super Bowl or in this case a bowl game, goes to the quarterback of the winning team. And quarterback play, I think, is key here. 
because what you said I think is correct. Clemson and Alabama, I'm willing to say, yeah, they were evenly matched up. Both defenses looked good. Neither offense was able to really do anything until the end of the game where Alabama just sort of took the air out of the ball. But I don't know where that Alabama team is going to come up with enough points to beat Georgia. If Alabama can stop Georgia's running game, they they have a chance. I just don't know that they can stop it. Trent, is there any chance that Alabama can slow Georgia down? Because that Georgia defense may not be quite as good as Clemson, but what you saw from Alabama was a pretty anemic offense, and I don't know that it's going to get well in a week. Yeah, I – they don't have five weeks of being starved and thinking they're the underdogs and getting motivated, you know, the revenge factor. I mean, the way that Georgia played, no, I I don't think they can score enough Alabama. I mean, and I don't believe Alabama's defense is good enough to hold Georgia to an amount that Alabama's offense can compensate for that. Well, we're about to find out. Well, what you said with Saban, I think if Saban could go back in time and change something, certainly they would have beaten Auburn, gone into the SEC championship, and gotten a crack at Georgia. However, unless he was going to walk out of there as an undefeated national champion with an SEC championship in his pocket, I think Saban might have actually chosen this route. One, because he got a, another opportunity for his guys to get well. They didn't have to prepare for the SEC championship. They didn't have to play in it. They've had a five-week break. But you hit it on the head. How much did Saban love to finally be able to look at his guys and say, see, they all hate us. Nobody's giving us a chance. You know, nobody thinks we ought to be in. And getting those big boys riled up, man, they came out like well, a house of fire. The other thing I'll say is that Georgia – is not giving Saban a month to prepare for their offense. I don't know if you how much of the Clemson game you watched, Trent. I mean, Bryant was going to have to play an exceptional game anyway, but they were calling out on his plays before they even started. They well, knew the playbook. And it's the revenge factor. I mean, for Nick Saban to win a national title, he needed to play Oklahoma or Georgia first because then he had – he had both lines. Nobody wants us here. We're the underdogs. And go in and beat somebody's Clemson. butt. And then we have, now let's go show these guys that we're the real champs and beat Clemson in the finals. Well, so you expect them to come out a little more flat when they see Georgia in a week? They're going to be pumped up, but yes, I expect them to be flat because they don't know what Georgia's coming. They don't know what they, they haven't seen them. They haven't played them. They played Clemson two years in a row. They know what they're getting into. Right. Well, and also to Brandon's point, there was obvious wrinkles on that defense against particularly the read option run that really confused Kelly Bryant, and he did not make the right read. And even if he had made the right read, the speed of Alabama's defense would have had it covered anyway. And I think that was a huge part of the game. And Brandon's right. You do not have a month to prepare for Georgia. And so, But that being said, former assistants are 0-11 against Nick Saban. So you still got to put your money on the – in like a bill of check. In, my, yeah, co- money on in my book, that means they're due. And I called. Chris, <laughs> I told you. I called Chris today, and I'm like, I think Clemson might be in trouble. We kind of had that conversation. I was like, a lot of the bets, like Brandon Atkins or Trent Nichols bets, are going Clemson's way. Maybe a twenty five dollar chippy. But I said, all the wise guys are betting the big money on Alabama, so they know something. And a lot of those guys got in at two and a half, and it moved the needle to three. And, of course, you know how many points they won by. They blew that spread out. But 
that may be something to watch with the Georgia-Alabama game because those guys knew something. Like, I don't know if they've been watching practice or whatever, but they knew that something was going to happen against Clemson. Well, maybe they were watching what I was watching. And, and I'm going to tell you that I look and try to pay attention to the nonverbal communication. That's, that's my field of study is communications. I didn't like any of what I saw from Kelly Bryant in the week leading up to the game. I didn't like anything in the pregame. I didn't like any of it with, with what I was getting from him. And what I, what I witnessed and what I perceived was a fake looseness where I don't have a key, uh, a care in the world, I'm the most confident guy on the planet, and I just wasn't buying it because it wasn't what I'd seen from him up to that point, and it looked a little like I'm trying to look like Cam Newton. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. Now, I don't claim to be some you know savant, but I'm a pretty good communicator, I'm a pretty good interpreter, and that came to pass because the first time Alabama hit him in the mouth, it changed the way he was playing. And he obviously played scared, maybe not the word I want to put on a young man well, like that, but they were in his head. They were in his head to the point where he was clearly not executing the game plan. And you saw Dabo get oh, into, him. into him. He got into him a lot harder than he has all year. And you could just almost see him going – Brother, what are you doing, man? Like, I mean, this is not what we worked on. And well, the other piece of that, too, and we talked about this when Georgia got beat by Auburn. When all of the momentum got going, Georgia wasn't able to react, and Kirby Smart looked like a deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. Dabo Sweeney to me, and, and I'm not taking anything away from him because what he's done with that Clemson program is amazing. He's a great front runner. They don't necessarily deal with adversity that well. And people will point to the national championship game a year ago where Deshaun Watson brought them back. But that game was never really – they were never in a hole that anybody felt they couldn't get out of. Once Alabama got them going, the way he lost that team and the nonverbal communication going on on the sideline, the the heads down, the shoulders slumping, that's a bad sign. And when you're playing a team as athletically gifted as Alabama – you're going to have to come with something better than that. Once Alabama got up on those two plays, would they score 14 points in 32 seconds? Did anybody over. in America think that they could no. get back in it? No. <clears throat> I thought when once Payne made that interception, it was game over. I, I was, mean, the momentum I, the shifted. The way Clemson had been moving over. the ball up to that interception, I think they were still in it. But when they they went right back down and then they, they had the interception – or the uh, reception in the end zone by mm-hmm. Payne, that that to me was the nail in the coffin. I don't. So I think the big game, the big thing that we need to watch for next week is the status of Jennings. Jennings was having the game of his life, the sophomore redshirt linebacker for Alabama, getting that knee injury late. They say it's a sprained knee, but they don't know if he's going to play. Just well, another piece to Alabama, not be there to stop Georgia's sure, running game. Alabama is the the ultimate next man up squad I mean they just roll athletes out there uh you see with the running back core it's almost ridiculous where we're at with the haves and the have-nots in college football because the way they're just able to plug in backs and plug in linebackers it's it's something else Mm -hmm. I mean it's whole next level and it's almost as if we're back in the days where they were able to dress 140 people and give unlimited scholarships it's kind of wild well you know who I thought the big winner in the two main games was was from like I mean for him to be a rookie, and, a rookie. Well, I mean a freshman. <laughs> excuse a me, true well, freshman. a true freshman. So true that is freshman. Like, for him to be a true freshman, nineteen to years be able old. To, 
to make I mean, I know it's Oklahoma. So you and I could throw for five touchdowns don't, against Oklahoma. Don't stop oh, Oklahoma defense now. now. But I mean I mean, points. I know they play in the Big 12, but Oklahoma's defense is fast. Okay, it was a hun- over 100 points scored in the game. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's not go too crazy. It's not like the Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain of old or anything like that. But for him to maintain his poise after it looked like they had gained control and then Oklahoma slapped him back, for him to regain that poise and play within himself and do a real good job coming back, I thought that was pretty impressive. Well, I was very impressed with his – the intellect, the the ability to read the defense and shift the plays to be able to, you know, change up the plays and make the – I mean, I was impressed with Fromm. And I'm wondering, though, in the next two years, is that going to translate into being a very good or great college quarterback? Or could this guy be on that path to become an NFL starting quarterback? It took you a while to get there, but I knew that was the question you were going to ask. I could see it in your eyes. Jake Fromm, in the early game with Oklahoma-Georgia, Georgia, first of all, impressed me because there were a couple points in that game where I thought it's over. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's got them, and they're not going to be able to – they're not going to get that foot off the neck. Fromm never flinched. Mm-hmm. And Kirby Smart, unlike what happened in the Auburn game, where they were on the road at Auburn, everything went against them, and the team just sort of fell apart. Georgia never wavered. They never flinched. And Jake Fromm – I think Jake Fromm is well on his way to being a legendary college quarterback. I think in in terms of Georgia football, I think that Fromm will stake his claim and be one of those guys that's atop the mountain in terms of records and stats and in terms of accomplishments. I think his I think his legend is just beginning. And the thing that I like most about Fromm is his eyes. And you can look at you first of all. You can see him progress through his reads, but you can also see him manipulate defenses with his wow. eyes. That for a freshman to do at 19 years old is unbelievably impressive. Great footwork too. Great footwork. His technique. We were talking about it before, Dave. And Jake Fromm is the kid that's been in quarterback camp since he was seven years old, and everything is perfect with his technique, his footwork, his release. And we'll continue talking about Jake on the other side. You're listening to From the, Th- From the Cheap Seats on WBLZ and WDCC. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, welcome back to the New Year's edition of From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert. All of my best friends are hanging out here with me, and we're uh, we're talking about Jake Fromm right now. Trent, you asked, does this translate to the NFL three years from now? I talked about the way Fromm uses his eyes. It's very, very impressive for a freshman. Mechanics, he's got that. He's a little bit athletic. He's not a great big guy, but he's big enough. The thing that I haven't seen from Fromm consistently yet and maybe it's not even the consistency that bothers me. I'm not sure he's flashed it even. Is the arm talent? I don't know if he can make the big throws yet. And 
if he can, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, this guy obviously out of the box as a starter, as a freshman, and has got his team in position to to win a national championship. But we can't understate the impact of that running game at Georgia. Yeah, you might say absolutely. You might say he started from the bottom. Now he's here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Little Drake for I you. Could, I could say that. Well, you know what? I, I love listening to. Uh, if you ever listen on a Saturday to Steve Logan, he knows everything about quarterbacks. Whether or not he's been successful with them in the NFL, whatever. But um, Mick Mixon's on his show on Saturdays, and it's some of the one of the best listens. It's almost as good as the show. I'll just throw that out there. All right. But um, so Ooh. what I'll say is what he said about Fromm. He's he's high on him as being a, a good uh, NFL quarterback. And it's because of what you're saying, Chris, but he kind of said it in a little different way. The way he manipulates the the defense with his eyes, what he was saying is that he can see everything at all the whole time. Like so it's not that he's only manipulating him. He's you know, there's these quarterbacks with the big arms that just say, okay, he got to go through his progressions. You're like, boom, looking over here, middle, now right. He doesn't have to do all that. He sees all of it. That's why sometimes when he passes it, it looks like he's not even looking at the guy. So I think that translates really well into the NFL. Yeah, well, he, Kelly Bryant was also looking at the defense, but looking at it in a different manner. <laughs> he was looking at him down his throat. And, and Fromm's able to look at the defense and read and see what it's going to give them. And that's a huge difference in, in those two games and those two comparisons, and you saw the outcome difference. But Fromm has the luxury of two wonderful backs. And, you know, I don't know if Alabama can slow those backs down, but what I do know is going to slow them down running at Fromm well, compared to running at Kelly Bryant because Clemson didn't have a running attack. You're right, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait to pass judgment on Jake Fromm and his potential for the NFL until after I've seen a little bit more of him and actually put a team on his back. But he's going to have to do it without Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle moving forward. Both of those guys are seniors, which is interesting in this day and age that you've actually got two seniors in the same backfield that are legitimate stars. My question is, and I'm not one for hyperbole. I try to try to keep things uh, as middle of the road as possible. But I'm really having a hard time coming up with a better tandem of running backs in my lifetime. Hmm. When it comes to production on the field and ability and what it translates to at the next level, anybody got anything? Hey, this, this I'm not being serious with this. But this is for Brandon. What about the Johnsons? Johnson and Johnson? Johnson and Johnson. Just the fact that Chris is looking like a deer in a headlight. I ought to tell you how what, good they were. What no, is y'all talking about? They were Tar Heels running backs. Was Curtis Johnson and Leon Johnson? Yeah, right? yep. Leon. Yeah, and they were uh, – I think they are both 1,000-yard rushers. But they so were not. Have it. I don't think they were as good as Sony Michelle and <laughs> Nick Chubb. Well, what I was impressed <laughs> Probably is – <laughs> They got a thousand yards last night between the two, right? The thing I was impressed most about with the way Georgia was using Michelle was when they were just had him back in the backfield by himself. Like, here it comes, guys! Here comes, See if going to start it. it right up to the final play of the game, and the and the play by play crew blew it. They said it was Chubb lined up in the uh, in the Wildcat, but in the second overtime. The snap came back to Michelle. Everybody on the planet knew where it was going, and he just ran past everybody. I didn't know it was going to the house, but he took it to the house. He did. Why oh, not? For, and and who, who, uh, who hit the uh, 
block out on the corner. Did y'all see that? I think was it, it went up from. It was from. Yeah, it was from. from he might have got away with a slight hold, but that's okay. Yeah. But he he locked that uh, corner down. That corner did not get anywhere near. See, you can do show. that. You can do that in college football, especially during the playoff. He's like, this guy ain't gonna see me again this year. Ba bow. Like you can't do that in the NFL because they'll get you back. Well, I told my I, I I talked a couple weeks ago about Jimmy Garoppolo and my wife's reaction where she was gone. Um. She saw Jake Fromm, and we were talking about Fromm, and I was talking about the fact that he was a freshman. And they cut on screen, and she saw him. She's like, God, he has pretty eyes. Hmm. And I said, yeah, but my beef with Jake Fromm is that he's got his eyebrows done. I don't know if you've paid any attention. Can I make a point about Nedge? For her, as many times she calls you a cad on the radio show, she sure does like point out a lot of aesthetic features on these guys. I'm just saying. Maybe we'll, Mrs. DeLambert, oh. that wasn't me that said that. Wow. But you just got called out. I, I'm just and that's saying. an excellent point. I'm, I hadn't even hadn't even occurred to I me. got your back, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, seems you. like she has a thing for dark haired what what's wrong with you need to dye your hair, man. I'm good, man. Well I'm, we're we're straight. <laughs> so tandem running backs. Go ahead. Throw out a few names for you. Okay. All right. There's the obvious choice. I think Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. If from Auburn. That was a great good. duo. And what they go? They went number number two and number five, something, something. like that. I, I don't know. Both I were to top I didn't, ten mean to, picks. I didn't mean to cross you up. Um, now there was three that Alabama had in 2010. Do you remember? In ten. Yes. That would have been Ingram. Would have been in that mix. Was one. Trent Richardson was a flop in the NFL, but yes. And that was before Derrick Henry. He's kind of fat. Yeah. What's his name? You I drafted can't... him in fantasy this year. Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy. All right. There we go. But, yeah, but here's the here's the thing. Is yeah. in college they were They're, great. Yeah, they were in college, they were great, but it was sort of one after the other, after yeah. the other, after well, the they other. They were all there in 2010, they, and they did use all of them because Ingram was hurt a lot, though. Gotcha. So, but going way back, it wasn't a one-two punch. I don't think you can ever, unless these guys project in the NFL to be Hall of Famers, the winner's got to be Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas. Wow, I had forgotten they were there together because Sanders was the understudy to Thurman Thomas. Checking my notes. Yeah. Ah, I stand. Well done, Trent. Trent always brings the heat. Hey, hey, that's I had forgotten that they were there together. That's right. Barry Sanders was behind Thurman Thomas. It was more of a featured back. It was. Yeah. It was, but still, you're talking about two legit NFL Hall of Famers. Yeah. Can't touch that. You know. Well done. The one person, and I'm throwing some shade and some haterade, but am I the only person in the room that liked to see Lincoln Lincoln Riley lose? No. Is no, this and guy you not a production meeting? Yeah. Is this guy not obnoxious? Oh, is he something? He's something else. And I'm going to tell you what we we were talking about. We had a production meeting before you rolled in. Oh, sorry. And, and it was long. Home. It was good. He, he yeah. got a yeah. It was kind of. It was really good. It, and Brandon was stuck in a weather delay for people that don't know what's going on because <laughs> we don't cold. deal well when it gets under about 40 here in North Carolina, <laughs> and it's closer to four right now. So. Anyway, we were talking about it, and I'm going to tell you, Baker Mayfield has been a great, great, great NF, our college quarterback, period. We'll talk later about whether or not that translates to the NFL, but Lincoln Riley inherited a loaded, loaded team from Bob Stoops. There are plenty of instances 
where other people have inherited a team from a legend and had a huge amount of success in the short term and then done nothing moving forward. Jimbo. Kevin Ollie. Yeah, is the I was first just going to say. Would Jimbo. You say Jimbo. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. Boom. Ah, Fisher actually got a year or two away, but we'll throw Fisher into the mix. Not his own recruiting. Kevin Ollie's got a doggone national championship. What has they done since? <laughs> I mean, it happens. You've got that talent. It's a magical time. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is probably the greatest quarterback in Oklahoma history. Trent will probably fish out and <laughs> throw something. No, out I'm there trying to think. That I completely already. have forgotten about. Well, actually, yeah. Oh, well, sorry. J.C. Watts. I mean, they had some option quarterbacks that were back there, but Baker Mayfield. You, you got to put him up there in that pantheon. You take all the rest of the talent that's out there. I watched Lincoln Riley get out coached yesterday badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also look at Lincoln Riley. And he has not yet proven he can get out there on the trail and recruit and that he's willing to put in the work and put in the energy. And he strikes me as a lot of words that I'm not going to be willing to use on the on the radio. I think Lincoln <laughs> okay. Riley will flame out very quickly. Did I don't you, think he's I don't think he has the ability to manage a program as big as Oklahoma. Did, did you see who was on the sideline with him? Who? Never stood close to him. Stoops. Oh, yeah. I oh, I saw Stoops yeah, yeah. was back in the back. You know Stoops was like, oh, why did I not just stay <laughs> for this season? Because you could almost see him grimace, like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, like the wheel route on third down. Dude. <laughs> well, I think, okay, in three years we'll see if Lincoln Riley can elevate himself to the pantheon of being one of those well, great coaches. Absolutely. And I wouldn't I wouldn't even say but three But he's years. still going to have Stoops with him. I mean, Stoops is so actively involved. How long before Stoops leaves fully before we see? I think that you, you'll you see Stoops because Mike Stoops is back as the defensive yeah. coordinator there. I think that what you're going to see, you, you've got a full cupboard full of talent. So it will be four or five years before you can really evaluate what Lincoln Riley's done with that program. Mm -hmm. Sort of where we're at with Jimbo Fisher, where you found out maybe he wasn't the super recruiter we all thought he was. But Lincoln Riley, to me, if he's wildly successful, is going to be the most hated coach in America. That's my prediction. Yeah, particularly if he ever does it with his own players. He'll just be completely hard to be around and hard to watch. Not, I'm not a fan. Okay, here we go. This oh, is Lord. this is great. Well, Sam Bradford I was, was a really good Oklahoma quarterback. But get this, none of you knew this. Go ahead. The greatest Oklahoma quarterback. In 1984, he became the first freshman to start at quarterback for Oklahoma since World War II. It was... Troy 84? Aikman. Yeah, no, 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 no. He only played in Oklahoma for no, one year. Sorry. He went to, a, he, he, what did he accomplish at Oklahoma? There's a reason he left and went to UCLA. He was I, drafted by the Mets, and but I he decided know, to go play for Barry Switzer. I, I did know that, that Troy Aikman started at Oklahoma. Well, unless you're going to go bananas. Sam Bradford. Unless you're going to go Sam Bradford. Baker Mayfield is, the, I think, the greatest Oklahoma quarterback. There Easily for what he's accomplished. I'll take it. Absolutely. And I think that Mayfield, well... We'll talk a little Baker Mayfield on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins 
on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan all in here recapping a great night of college football. Hey, before we get there, I felt left out of that little trivia sesh that y'all had, so I have some trivia of my own, okay? All right, all right, all right. Okay, Virginia Tech quarterback with the most rushing touchdowns in a single season. Michael Vick. He's second. Oh, Marcus Vick, isn't it? No. no it's, uh, now, Virginia Tyrod Taylor, Tech quarterback with Tyrod the most Taylor did play there, but he's thir- third on this list. Logan. All right, y'all never. You want me to just hit you with it? Yeah, hit please. It. Bruce Arians. Come on. The, wow. uh, Are you serious? Uh, the 11, 1974. Shut Bruce up. Arians, which tells you, and I'm stealing this line: never bet against a white man in Kanga. <laughs> Dude. What? Speaking of white men in Kangos, so I think we may never really know whether or not he's legitimately retiring from the Arizona Cardinals or whether he got fired. I don't know. I I get that the whole story coming out of Arizona is that he's retiring, but here's my thing. What years did you say he played at Virginia Tech? Early 70s. Early 70s. This guy's well into his 60s. The excuse... I want to spend more time with my family. What family, dude? You're 60. Yeah, but what he said was his – I think it was his wife said that this kid's 40th birthday hit him kind of hard. Like, he just blinked and, you know, he's been all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's been all over the league. I love Capson's reaction. I mean, don't we all have a job, though? <laughs> The cat's in the cradle in the silver spoon. Go ahead and hit it. Blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, Bruce? I don't know when. <laughs> today. The Colts are going to lose then. Dude, and that's the thing, is this guy, he could go back as, I don't know, the prodigal son to Indianapolis. 
Yeah, I don't think. Well, okay, so what's the over-under? He's going to retire to spend more time with his family, I think in parentheses. The, I, two years? I don't think it's two years. I don't think you measure this in years. I think you measure this in times cutting the grass. <laughs> because I'm going to say after about 30 times of cutting the grass, he's going to be like, dude, I'm going back and... I'm going back to camp. Well, I can tell you what he's going to do. What's he going to do? He's going to get in the media for a couple of years, get that money. And, you know, I don't think he has a big shelf life in the media. I don't think he's one of those cats. He's kind of interesting with the Kango and stuff like that. But usually what these guys do, like ESPN and the big networks, they'll juice you for that two years that you're relevant, and then you get filtered off somewhere else. Well, we're going to see if it was legit that he wanted to spend time with his family because these analysts, if he goes to be a game day analyst and he's going to be in the booth somewhere, those guys are gone almost as much as coaches are. I mean, they're there three or four days in advance of the game. They're doing the traveling and all the rest of that. If he jumps in and sits in front of a microphone in the booth – you're going to know it was hogwash. It I had nothing to do yeah, with Yeah, he just turned there. 65. He's, he just, he's eligible for Social Security. There you go. <laughs> and what's the limit? I mean, isn't it 14 4 a year that you can make? Is that the cap? So uh, there yeah, you go. Just that extra 14 grand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chuck Pagano bounced out of Indianapolis. Yeah. Shouldn't have come in at any surprise. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Um, another. Jim, Jim Caldwell. I was going to say, the, Indian, the Indianapolis connection is there. Jim Caldwell's gone. Jim Caldwell's a guy. Has there anybody in recent memory who's done less with more than Jim Caldwell over the last 10 years? I don't know how we just recycle coaches. Now, it is interesting because the NFL, for years and years and years, it was the old white guys that got recycled. Is Jim Caldwell the first example of an old black guy that got recycled? Because Jim Caldwell didn't have a track record other than being, you know, Tony Dungy's best friend. And he took the Colts and did nothing, really, over the period of his entire body work. And then went out to Detroit. And that Detroit team, with him, before him, everybody else, is they've underachieved. Now, the other thing, and it's funny how all these things tie together. Because talking about recycled coaches, the number one candidate in New York right now, to take the Giants' new gig, appears to be Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. Don't, don't do it. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Come on. Like, this is the same guy that got stiff-armed by Harbaugh post-game. Didn't he I, right? go? He, go At, he went 0-16. He didn't go 0-16. No, sir. He came in after the okay. 0-16 right. and got them to 10-6 and at one point. But Jim Schwartz and Lincoln Riley may be cousins. They're obnoxious. <laughs> And Jim Schwartz, I don't know, man. That's tough. I'm going to call it right now. Everything appears to be lined up for Matt Patricia to become the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. Had you listened a week or two ago, you would have known that, that that was going to happen. It looks inevitable at this point. The other thing that looks inevitable is John Gruden going to the Oakland Raiders. You got to feel... For Jack Del Rio a little bit because I think if Gruden were not taking this gig, Del Rio would be back for another year. Does anybody want to disagree, Trent? You're a you're a, a close observer of the AFC West. What are your feelings? No, I agree. I think you know they just signed him to a uh, extension, but 
with the way things went sideways, I think they would have given him one more year. And if he couldn't have righted the ship after that. But the Gruden thing, man, you hit the uh, the the Lions coach right on the head. I thought I nailed the Gruden to Tampa Bay. But when Oakland comes knocking and you're offering $10 million a year to be a coach and potential ownership, huh? Bye, ESPN. Yeah. He's I'm like, going back to coaching. The Ra- As the kids say, bye. The Raiders. Bye. The Raiders, they hit it right in the donkey hole. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the turkey hole? I can't remember. Is it the turkey hole? It's a turkey it was me. I think I was turkey the one that, that misnamed it donkey hole. But yeah, I think it is the turkey hole. John oh, Gruden. and Rich Gart. Okay, Rich Gannon got the phone call. To play John quarterback. Gruden yeah. is, he's <laughs> taking right. Rich Gannon with him to Oakland. To be the offensive the, coordinator. The, yeah, quarterback coach. Or is he going to be quarterback coach. I know that he's called Paul Gunther, the Bengals mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, and that Gunther, that comes from his brother's relationship. Jay Gruden was the coordinator in Cincinnati when Gunther was there. Jay actually tried to get Gunther to D.C. last season. The Bengals said, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to hold what we got. But Gunther probably will be out. All these things are taking shape, but Cincinnati still hasn't decided what they're doing with Marvin Lewis. I think the conversation is not whether or not Marvin Lewis is going to be the head coach next year. I think it's whether Marvin Lewis is going to be a vice president of the club next year. All right, here's my prediction. Go ahead. Gruden goes to Oakland, gets their whole system down, knows everything that they're going to do. Then he's going to move over to Tampa Bay and use it all against him in the Super Bowl. I, I, they, you know what? That's a tried and true method. And Rich Gannon will be the head coach of Oakland that loses to yes. Gruden yes. in Tampa yes. Bay. Yes. I love it. Now, I do have something I want your input on, Brandon, yeah. specifically. Dave Gettleman, former GM of the Carolina Panthers, former GM of the Carolina NFC Championship Panthers, is now – the general manager of the New York Giants. They want a seasoned coach. They're not they don't want a first-time guy out of the box. They've got a veteran team. They've said they want an established veteran head coach. John Fox is available. I can see him doing it. Gettleman's got a reputation uh, reputation for coming in and cleaning you up financially, making s- smart, good player um, contract moves. That's what got him fired. He's, he's he didn't want to known give, as being heartless. Well, is, he is he wasn't going to give he wasn't going to give Thomas James, uh, Davis Jr. and Olson and their money, and that's what got him kicked out. Of course, maybe he wasn't twirling around in his jeans enough. Maybe that's what got <laughs> kicked out. But Kaplan didn't like that. He didn't like that a bit. But Gettleman is solid. He's exactly what the Giants need right now. Now his hire, John Fox. I, I like the man. I've actually met him in person. He wouldn't remember me um, at the beach. But um, <laughs> but he's a really nice guy. He um, he had his grandkid with him, and I had my kid, and we had some small talk. But he's really nice. Don't do it, You man. and John hey. Fox or you and John Fox's kid? Me and his John grandkid. Fox. Well, but here's the deal, too. Jim, Jim Shorts or whatever his name is, Schwartz. Schwartz. Mm-hmm. He's an experienced NFL court, uh, uh, head coach. John Fox is too. And John Fox has been in New York. He grew up in the Giants system. He knows how to deal with. And the Mara family likes people that they know. Exactly. That's why Gettleman's back. You know, I wonder if Herm Edwards feels a little weird about taking that college game with the do you do, you don't think he wants to be in the NFL because nah, he's been no, 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 in no. the NFL Herm, Herm I think Edwards, he should feel Herm weird that he mentor. didn't know what the uh Sun Devils 
<laughs> the uh, Sun Devils uh, uh, mascot is or whatever. They didn't know they were the Sun Devils because the guy's like, he was in the press conference going, who are you working for? And they're like, uh, the devil press. Oh, don't bring the devil into here. He's being silly. Well, no, nah, I would have. I guess that's a wish list thing. I wish he would, because he was in New York before, and I just love me some Herm Edwards. It would have been cool Herm, for him to Herm be. Herm Edwards does not want to go deal with NFL age athletes. He wants to go be the mentor. He wants to be, you know, one of the most important figures in somebody's life. Herm Edwards is that guy. You know, the wise guy up in the chair spitting one-liners, that's not going to play in the NFL. The NFL, you've got to be able to outthink and outcoach and outgame plan. Herm Edwards is not that guy. He will kill it sitting at people's kitchen tables. We sure. talked about that. He goes in, and when he's got these situations where you've got these young black men where their church and their grandparents and folks like that are involved in the decision-making process, you can, Brandon Atkins, cancel Christmas. Okay. Herm Edwards is going to destroy it. Now, what he does with that talent once he gets it on campus and puts it into the into a game plan, that's all going to be about the people around him. But Herm Edwards, at least for a few years, okay. is going to put together one okay. heck of a talent. What about plan. this one, more realistic? The Giants have apparently requested permission to talk to Josh McDaniels. Yes. With the Patriots. What do you think about that move? I don't think that the Giants will do that because that's going to feel a little bit too much like the Patriots guy. I think that's too close geographically. I don't think they want to bring anybody from the Patriots organization. The other thing is that Josh McDaniels failing as a head coach was that he was an awful Lincoln Riley-ish. And he thought he had a little bit too much of himself and – Especially Trent, you remember when he got out to the four and zero start in Denver, you couldn't tell Josh McDaniels anything. Yeah, <laughs> and you can't go treat people as if you are Bill Belichick when you're not Bill Belichick. Josh McDaniels hadn't taken anybody to a ring, and to go out there and try to be king of the world and big time the press and the rest of that. Well, like I would said- hate to see. I would hate to see Josh Mc. Would I hate it or would I love it? I'm going to have to think about that. Josh McDaniels in a big media market like New York, that could be a fun well, train wreck to watch. And you're the one that brought up Matt Patricia. You know, I mean, what if they were able to pull off getting the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator from the Patriots? How awesome would that be? It's, I mean, it's part of that'd what's That'd be so about. New York against the New England. You know what so, I mean? Well, they're not, the Patriots aren't going to let either one of those guys go to be a, a, a coordinator anywhere. They don't have any choice in terms of them being to go and going to be a head coach. I think this is McDaniel's year. There's enough uh, vacancies out there. The idea of Josh McDaniels in Indianapolis with a possibly healthy Andrew Luck next year, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels would be my second choice if I was in Detroit. Him with Matt Stafford, that could be a lot of fun. I think Patricia's the guy. I think Patricia is a, non, a no-nonsense guy who's done enough defensively with moderate talent at best. I think Patricia gets the gig in Detroit. Gruden gets out there in Oakland. And my leader in the clubhouse right now for Indianapolis would be Josh McDaniels. I've got a leader for New York in my book. Boom, go ahead. Stephen Wilts. Who's that? He's defense coordinator for the Panthers. He has the Panthers' ties, and uh, he's – being brought up a lot out in conversation for head coaches. I'll buy it. Same with uh, Eric Studsville just got fired from the Broncos. He was actually a running backs coach for 
the New York Giants and took over for Josh McDaniels for 12 games when he got fired and is beloved think by about, his pair. Think about how hard that would be to fire someone with the last name Studsville. Studsville. Like, hey, Studsville, come on into my office. I like it. Second hour coming up. WDZC listeners, we will see you next week. Follow us over to the internet. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. If you're listening on WBCC and you're surprised that we're back, you shouldn't be. I just kind of screwed that up. I lost track of what I was doing. So excited. It seemed like time was flying by. I don't know. Well, you know who's it's not going to. It's 2019. But if you're listening on WDCC, you, at the end of this segment, should follow us over to the web. You can find the podcast version of the <coughs> show in the iTunes podcast app. Uh, or you can find it on SoundCloud. But visit us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Cheap Seat Radio. Now, if you want to come hang out with us, come on out Wednesday night. That's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> to, libations, to libations at 6 p.m. We'll be hosting trivia out there. We've been doing that every other Wednesday I've gotten a request from the ownership over there. We're negotiating now, but they want us to add a week or two each month. So here pretty soon we'll be doing it every Wednesday. But check out Libation's Facebook page. You can check out ours. We'll be over there January 3rd at 6 p.m. and then January 10th. I think I don't know. January 17th. I don't know. Check the internet. Just listen to next week's show. We'll have it all straightened yeah, out. Yeah, we'll have it straightened out. But we definitely, definitely, definitely will be there January 3rd, 6 p.m., um, and I should tease a category. Um, follow us over to the internet, and I'll we'll have it by then. We'll sort it out during the break. We'll, we'll in fact we'll tease two categories. Ooh. What do you think about that? Ooh. Whoa, yeah. Dave, you gonna be there? Or you got choir practice. Mama sang bass, and Daddy sang tenor. <laughs> Me I and think little brother would join right in there. I think that was enough. <laughs> you know, I've never been. I need to go. Yeah, you should. All right, so. Let's 
jump out of the head coaching. Hold on, hold on. Before we do it, I know you want to transition. I do. But do you know who's not going to take the Giants' job? Who's that? Vance Joseph. Oh, man. I'm a, you know what? Look, Vance Joseph, I thought that Denver would be making a mistake if they jettisoned Joseph, but I really thought the last couple weeks of the season that, that Elway was going to look across and say, you know what? He seems like he may have lost this team. Let's just hit the reset button. They are going to give Joseph another crack at this. And I want to see what happens when Joseph, what Joseph can do with this with a legitimate, settled quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Of course, 2018 may not be the year that they have a legitimate, settled quarterback situation because I have no idea who's going to be playing thought, quarterback for the Broncos next I, year. I thought Trent would be a little more distraught, but he didn't give me the reaction I was looking for. He's kind of going, hmm. You well, got so a minute and a half deal. to tell us everything about Vance Joseph in that situation. The Denver Broncos fired everybody but Vance Joseph, Bill Musgrave, and Joe Woods. So they kept their head coach, their offensive coordinator, and their defensive coordinator. Elway feels good after the meeting with Vance Joseph that they're going to put together a plan and continue to improve and move forward. I don't know if Vance Joseph ever lost the team. I don't know why their defense ended up being so horrible with him being a defensive-minded head coach. I think that Bill Musgrave, a full year as being the offensive coordinator, and I think Elway is going to go heavy after a free agent quarterback, possibly Kurt Cousins, and look to draft their future quarterback, which means to me that Osweiler obviously is gone. Simeon probably is gone. Paxton Lynch hasn't shown anything, but he's going to slip. He's going to give it one more shot. But after this, John Elway is not going to have any patience and uh, Vance Joseph is going to have to walk that tight wire. The biggest deal is the quarterback, and it's been kind of unfair to Vance Joseph because Gary Kubiak didn't have anything after Peyton Manning left with the quarterback situation. Okay, let me let me make a wild guess, and this is not an educated statement that I'm going to make, but this is this is an issue. Vance Joseph is 45 years old. What you have traditionally seen in the NFL is guys a little bit older than that getting their initial gig. Guys that have done a little bit more cutting their teeth in the coaching world. Vance Joseph, to me, I think it's important when you hire a guy that's at that experience level and that age that you surround him with a coaching staff that buys into what he's doing. You obviously can because you look at what Sean McVay's done in L.A. with the Rams. He's 31 years old. But everybody in that organization is on the Sean McVay train. Mm -hmm. I'm not certain, and this is only from the outside looking in, that Vance Joseph walked in and commanded that level of respect from the entire coaching staff. You had a lot of holdovers, a lot of leftovers that might have felt like they got leapfrogged when Vance Joseph was hired. Well, they also brought Mike McCoy, who was just a head coach. I mean, the intimidation factor. And so he kind of came in here, your boss is John Elway. Your offensive coordinator is an ex-head coach, Mike McCoy, that John Elway loved. You know, you surrounded everything. You give this guy a chance to develop. So him and Bill Musgrave have a great relationship. Him and the defensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator was Vance Joseph's guy. It was kind of his pick. Yeah. So now he's in that position. I think I agree. John Elway... He's 45. 
two, three years from now, I don't think Elway wants to look back and be like, damn, I should have kept Joseph. Look what he's doing out in Miami. Boom. Well, and I'm going to tell you, Cincinnati would have sniffed after Vance Joseph had he had he hit the market and assuming they give Marvin Lewis the boot. The other guy that I'm a little surprised, well, first of all, we can't, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Dirk Cutter. I don't know how Dirk Cutter's keeping that job out in Tampa Bay. I, I know. I really I know just how. don't. Go ahead. John Gruden fell apart. I don't know. Cutter in two years has underachieved with an awful lot of talent on both sides of the ball, and they haven't even challenged. So look what happened when they announced that uh, Cutter was coming back. Tampa Bay had the best offensive game they had all year. Well, also, what's <laughs> interesting, Cutter won't give up play calling either. That, to me, was you have a season like this. Now, NFC South turned out to be a meat grinder for sure, but still – I watch them play enough that, you know, if you're going to give – I guess if you give Cutter, like, another – however long he's got one more year, maybe you just let him have the play calling. I guess that's how that works. You don't want to strip him of that power. Well, here's but the thing. I, I'll still Cutter kind of didn't get hired for his organizational skills. He didn't get hired because of a track record of being able to be the CEO. He got hired as a quote-unquote quarterback whisperer that was a great play caller. And in this day and age, you've got those guys, the Andy Reeds and and Mike McCarthy's. They're not going to give that up. That's that's their shtick. That's their thing. That's what they do. Um, I'm just surprised that Curter, Cutter hung in there. Yeah, if the Gruden thing had worked out, I think Cutter'd be gone. But I'm surprised that he's not anyway. The other guy, I think, and I guess it comes down to the suspension of Ezekiel Elliott. But I'm surprised Jason Garrett's still in Dallas. No, man. I'm not. You're not, I mean, when? No. how many years is Jerry Jones going to go without being a legitimate Super Bowl contender before he says, you know what, maybe a different voice? You know, no. I brought, Jerry Jones is the only voice that he wants to hear. Yeah, how many times have Jerry Jones had a head coach that has been his little lap dog that doesn't steal the spotlight, that is not the top dog? Only you know, once, and when he did, they won three Super Bowls. Exactly. Well, he wants to be the dog. I mean, he hired, what, Barry Switzer and uh, Jimmy Johnson. Now he has a guy oh, that you're, he you're is the focus. you're leaving somebody out. What, the big tuna, right? Who was the – Oh, Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells was after Barry Switzer. Wait, yeah, but who is it, who is it in, the, in the interim? Ah! I'm going to have to look it up. We'll look it up during the break. But Jerry Jones has his lap dog. So, I mean – Cap, you on that? He does. I guess he has his lap dog, and that's a shame for Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett, as a player and a coach, got a heck of a track record. Well, you know who needs but man. He's just getting beat up out there. Do you know who needs for Jason Garrett to go? It's Jason Garrett. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he'd be much better off in. A, I think he does have a really great football mind, and with Jerry there, I mean they got un, you know, unlucky with the Ezekiel thing, but Jason would be better off going somewhere else. Well, and and Brandon, how often have you said? There's a shelf life. Yeah. You're going to accomplish what you're going to accomplish. Good or bad. Unless about, you're Bill Belichick, there's no good comes of being the head coach of, at the same place for 20 years. Yep. Yeah, and t- after 10 years, I don't know how long he's been there, but Jason Garrett needs to go. So right. here's the head coach for the Cowboys. Give, give us his yeah, friend Tom Landry. Well, then, Landry, then, Landry was there when Jerry Jones right, bought the team. Jimmy Johnson. Yes. Barry Switzer. Chan Gailey. I forgot Chan Gailey. One year. One year. Dave Campo. Dave Campo. That's Campo, the guy I was yep. trying to think. Who was the special teams coach, if I'm not mistaken. 
Dave Campo. Yeah, he was there for three years. Yes. Uh, uh, 48 and 15. Wade Phillips. Wait, uh, no, Bill Parcells, then Wade Phillips, and now Jason Garrett. God, that's a lot of so turnover. So four out of six of their head coaches have been big-time names. And maybe he must yeah. not have enjoyed – no, Jerry Dealing Jones. with the big, the big. Yeah, e. come on, Jerry Jones is the biggest guy in Texas. He's the man with the star on his head. He can't have somebody else there. All right, I'll buy that. He's all the. Right. How about them cowboys? Yeah, how about them cowboys? How about them? So, all right, guys. If you were a head coach searching for a job, on the other side, I want to tell me where you'd be headed. At Cheap Seat Radio, check us out on the web. WDCC listeners, goodbye for real this time. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan has left the building. Guys, we were talking about all of the vacancies out there in the NFL. If you're a prospective head coach, which of these gigs do you want? You've got Oakland, Chicago, the Giants, Arizona, and Oakland. Which um which um do you want? What's the better job? So hold on. Oakland, New York, Indy, Detroit, Bears, Arizona. Yeah, I forgot Detroit, didn't I? Which of these gigs is the best gig? Let me go ahead and get the obvious one out of the way. I'd go to Arizona for quality of life. If you have ever been to Arizona, okay. you know that you need some straight cash up in that piece because nothing's cheap. But if you're an NFL quarterback, um, NFL coach, you got plenty of that cheese. That's where I would go. Nice, warm, mild, plenty of stuff. A lot of great golf. You name it. Wow, Arizona, but they've got no quarterback, so you might not get that quality of life for very long. You're saying what? I, I don't want to be freezing my tush off in Chicago, <laughs> Detroit. I just don't know, man. Lifetime losers kind it, of. It really uh, is. I don't know at what point. You could be a hero, but how do you knock off the stink of not being able to get it done? Detroit's been bad for a generation. 
Yeah, but I and mean, even with some of the biggest stars in the NFL, you know, with through the Barry, Barry Sanders years, they couldn't win. Now Matt Stafford's been there, can't win. They've got what one playoff victory, and that was on the 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 um, Des Bryant catch, not a catch. I don't know if I want to go to a losing organization. Now, with Chicago, yes, it's cold, but you talk about getting to be an icon. That's a team that has a lot of weapons on offense. They've got to, they've, they've got to get some stability at the receiving position, but you've got two really good backs. You've got Mitch Trubisky going into year two. You've got a valuable trade piece with Mike Glennon. Maybe Chicago? See, I think the obvious, if you're looking at it, you can, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Andrew Luck, Mitch Trubisky, I mean. Isn't it amazing that four names like that have gotten coaches fired? I mean, you obviously I think Oakland would be the natural choice. I'm going to say They're yes. They're closest to winning, but Chicago, I think that's still more of a, we don't know what Mitch can do. Well, this year to me, this year wasn't Carr still kind of cha- shaking off that injury? Like, well, I mean, then he got hurt too. He he hurt his back and was out, and I think that had a lot to do with it. But I mean, honestly, Detroit looks like just as easy of a fix. I think they get a running back. Their defense is shored up. The Colts with Andrew Luck, but. Is luck back? I, that's Can the thing. Play? I mean, if you and, don't have Andrew Luck, well, and the other thing, they're the, not going to draft the a other complication with Andrew Luck's situation is he may hold you hostage because if he's not ready or he's not a hundred percent, you really can't afford to move on from Andrew Luck. So you may get stuck there. Plus, Ursay's a little crazy. Yeah, and that's funny. Like, if you look back at the Colts when Manning left, right? Everybody thought that Ursay was doing the exact th- same thing in, as in Green Bay, like running far off. Well, everybody's not Aaron Rodgers. And I know he's had some bad luck, but this team has missed the playoffs the last three years. Everybody was projecting them just keep chugging along year after year after well, year. And let's take a look at what's going on in their division because you've got a good Tennessee team who found their way to the playoffs this year, but you've got Jacksonville – that young Jacksonville team is going to be good for a while. That defense is nasty. And we've forgotten how good Houston was mm-hmm. in the middle of the season where people – that was the sexy pick for, you know, coming out of nowhere and going to a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. Watson comes back next year healthy. Obviously the knee's an issue. But Indy, I think – And from, Tennessee. From where we're at right now, it's really easy to project – Indianapolis as the worst team in that division for a couple of years. That's therefore if you I think, think that's coaches the worst aren't job. looking at that perspective uh, coaching hires and looking at being like, man, do I really want to have to play against those three teams six times a year? Mm, I don't know. I can promise you, they're looking at the Tampa Bay job like that. I know, I know that for a, a fact. Well, and maybe that's part of the the Tampa Bay ownership group's rationale for keeping Cutter. They had to look at it and be like, man, who's coming down here? Because the NFC South is like the SEC of the NFL. Yeah. And those teams are good. They're built to last. They don't have impending free agency issues that are going to blow it up. You know, New Orleans at some point, 
Father Time's going to catch up with Drew Brees, but we talk about Tom Brady all the time. Can he play till he's 45? Can he play till he's 50? Drew Brees. Brees may be there for another five years. He doesn't show any signs of letting up, and now you've got this new, newfound, double-headed running attack. I don't think New Orleans is going anywhere. I think I would take the Lions' job. The Lions' because, job. Because, you know, Boom. Green Bay is beatable. The thing Aaron with Rogers Green Bay, even. who that saw look, That and the AFC West. Oakland, I mean, Denver's a train wreck. The Chargers are the Chargers. Kansas City is Kansas City. But I think I would take the Lions. I think they're closer to them because, I mean, Oakland I discredit. I think John Gruden's there, and if he wasn't going there, then that job wouldn't be available anyways. I, I like your, your thinking there. Kansas City looking at next year. Alex Smith is not going to be back. I don't think. So you've got the Pat Mahomes era about to start. Denver is a train wreck. Denver has got to settle the quarterback situation. When you look at the weapons on offense, that's an underwhelming group there. They've still got Von Miller. They've got a stout defense. So they can, they've got some pieces, but they're not world beaters. Kansas City kind of pressing the reset. And then you've got the Chargers, who always just seem to be the Chargers. Phillip Rivers is going to win some games he shouldn't and lose a lot of games that he should. Speaking of which, the Chargers missed the playoffs. The joy that came to Bengals fans all over the world (laughs) was beating Baltimore in Baltimore late in the fourth quarter to propel Buffalo into the playoffs. Baltimore had a 97% chance to make the playoffs. Oh, well. Uh, Of missing 97% of making the playoffs. Well, when they went up in the fourth quarter, I think everybody involved assumed Cincinnati was going to pack it up, warm the bus up, get the heck out of there. It was cold. It had been a hard-fought game. It had been a disappointing season. You know, and that's then what... when they were at fourth and 12 on the 49, for Dalton to pull that trick out of his hat was amazing. Baltimore was out. Buffalo that's what they get. In. That's what the Ravens get for turning off the power at the Super Bowl against San Francisco. <laughs> that's right. You they deserve that. that. I think that was a conspiracy that was actually true. I think they were like, took the bolt cutters and like, and cut Ray that Lewis. power. I think they have the video. It was Ray Lewis. By the way, out. you were talking about the De- uh, Detroit game uh, job. Hmm. What about Mike v- Vrabel? His name has been, and that's an extension of Belichick that nobody really thinks about, but he's got everything. He knows Tom Brady's head and Belichick, and he's – talked about in circles is like a really bright football mind but uh, that's kind of like a dark horseman that i guess we haven't talked about yet that was out of the blue giving you real <laughs> giving you real like deep analysis well, now that dave's gone analysis. he kind of deflated me because i was getting ready to pack the bags up and go coach the lions but you know if you want to bring in Vable and well i'd take that blackhawks hat off before i showed up in detroit <laughs> that's probably not that's, a bad idea yeah probably true <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the jobs that you would take. The job that I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole is the Giants. The Giants are a team in disarray. Dave Gettleman now is in there to clean house, and I think a lot of people are looking at the Gettleman hire and thinking, okay, this is the guy they brought in to deal with the Eli situation. Eli Manning, you've either got to cut it, Tear that Band-Aid off and replace him or commit to him for another couple years. Do you think when Gettleman walks in the room, um, this music starts playing, 
as cold as ice. What's the rest of that song? <laughs> no, I think it's more like <laughs> spaghetti western. Yes. Nice. Yeah, I think he's about to take somebody out. I think Gettleman's there primarily to deal with the Eli situation and be the headhunter and chop chop it off. I think the press is going to murder him because next year, I think Eli Manning will be the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. And he will finish his career the last two, three years, nah, three, four years, with Jacksonville. But does he want to deal with that Jacksonville smell? Have you ever been through there? Well, no, he, he – Okay, what is it any different than walking down the streets in New York? I mean, oh, man. two primary metropolitan markets. You just upset New York, which is the biggest city in the country in terms of population, and Jacksonville, which is the largest hard, city in we'll terms see, of land I'm mass. a diehard we'll New York Mets you know, fan, and I lived in New York for two years, and my dad was born and raised there. I love New York, but Jacksonville. And New York. You know, Jacksonville smells. How would you characterize the smell? It's hard to characterize it, but you can be going around the bypass and smell it in your car. It's some type of manufacturing byproduct smell, um, not quite sulfury, but kind of fishy too, you know, that kind of thing. But so see, it's not like buffalo that smells like Cheerios. No, it's not like <laughs> buffalo. But, you know, that. That smell is generated by jobs being had there in the great place of the great city of Jacksonville. Trent's over here saying that the people of New York just smell. Wow. No, not the people. The sewers. Okay. And when you wake up in the morning, everyone is watering their sidewalks. And you're like, what the heck? That's because you piss on the sidewalks. <laughs> Let me tell you, I will tell you, the most scared I've ever been in my life is leaving Manhattan and taking the bus or the train into Jersey City as the sun was going down. I have never been so afraid. And Chris is looking at me like, I was in Bosnia <laughs> with three feet of snow. And when you're over there talking about Jersey City. That's that's what I, I remember thinking that when I arrived in Desert Storm back in 91. And I was thinking, God, I'm glad I'm not rowing into Jersey City after dark. <laughs> Anything but that. No, I get what you're saying. The thing about the the smells, I, I've never picked up a smell like that in Jacksonville. Now, I will say, Jacksonville is the most unbelievably flat city I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. And it goes on forever. For those of you that don't know, boom. Tease in the first category, we're going to do cities, American cities. That smell. No, not <laughs> just, just American cities. And I think we will talk about... The largest cities in terms of landmass, because Jacksonville is the largest city in the country, which and it is the ultimate sprawl. It just goes on forever, and it's flat. And when you think think in terms of Florida cities, I think that's Jacksonville's failing. Is you're thinking about Miami and Orlando and Tampa, where they're scenic, they're beautiful, they're great beaches. Well, it's kind of like Jacksonville, which is a panhandle city that's like, eh. and it's right there to the state border. So like you hit it, and then you feel like you. You didn't really experience Jacksonville because you're on the way down to like Miami or something. You're always like that. bypassing. Well, yeah, and and it's funny because I didn't get to I didn't get to finish my thought about Jake Fromm earlier, and my wife I told you was like his eyes are so pretty, and I said yeah, but he's he's overdone. When you see him, his eyebrows are perfectly plucked. He's got the shadow going. It's it's a look, and she's like, well, what would you call the look? Because he had his helmet on, and I said, man, I I think I'm going to call it new school bow. 
And she looked at me and she's like, he plays for Georgia. I can dig that. That's that whole Florida-Georgia line thing. And I was like, boom, it is. It absolutely is. And it's a look. It's a uh, an attitude. It's sort of pickup trucks and rap music. What about you know deep, what, I mean? mm-hmm. what about deep south metrosexual? Deep south metrosexual is right on, and I think that Jacksonville is ground zero for that. Okay. So, I, yeah. <laughs> well, what about th- throw Raleigh in there, and you can? It's got the smell of bitterness from all those <laughs> NC State fans. No, if, if I was talking, if I was thinking about a smell for Raleigh. It would probably be beard oil because you got so many hipsters there rocking the beard and they got the custom uh, oil and the wood glue and all the rest of that. Hey, going. Cincinnati that smells be. like Jim Beam. It, it doesn't smell like Jim Beam. It smells like pork sausage <laughs> because it is the pork sausage capital of the world. That and cinnamon chili. So anyway, I, where, where does this, how does this happen? I don't, I don't know. even know. It just seems to. All right. It just <laughs> seems to all too often. We'll see you on the other side at Cheap Seat Radio. Check us out on social media. Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back from the cheap seats, talking about cities and the way they smell. Well, in that last, that little last spot there with the baby tiger, do you think they would want to move to take the Detroit job? The baby tiger, is it negative that there are Detroit Tigers and the Lions there, or is it a positive? I think that may be part of the problem, man, is that there's so much conflict. They're completely conflicted. And then, you know, the Detroit Red Wings, which doesn't have anything to do with anything except that. You're talking about red wings and cats and of all types, lions and tigers. They like to eat birds. So it's all it's all messed up, man. Man, that is awesome analysis. I like that. I appreciate that. Trent, hurry up, get in here. It's going down. The whole show is going down fast. I don't yeah, it's it's out of control. Hey, so you and I attended opening week, opening night, opening day. Opening something. UNC opened their ACC schedule against uh, Wake Forest Mm -hmm. and escaped. Yeah, they did. I want to go on record and tell you that even though UNC pulled out a win at home in a game they should have won, I want – I'm going to take – here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the over-under on what place North Carolina finishes in the ACC – and I'm going to set the over-under at two and a half, and I want to know what you take. Okay. Go ahead. Go for it. Two and a half is the over-under for what what place they finish in. In the ACC? In the ACC Oh, year. man, you and I were at the game. I leaned over. I'm like, they're going to place third in the league. So I you're firmly going under. In the ACC, under. Well, immediately when you said what place, I thought third. 
Hmm. And I'm, you know, I guess I don't know who number two is going to be. Clearly, it's going to be Duke at number one. Um, you know, I probably need to pull the standings up. But the book on Carolina, and I told you this earlier, the Tar Heels, returning national champions. <laughs> I said they're going to get, they're going to have a deep run in the tournament, or they're going to get bounced in the first round. And I still believe it. Their big weakness right now with the young big men is Wake Forest. Let's see, what is his name? He was seven foot one, number four, Doral Moore. Yeah. He needs to learn how to shoot a foul shot. Well, that would that would help. He's athletic enough that he had this one dunk on our bigs that just made me fall out of my seat. <laughs> but the way Carolina likes to play, not to get too far in the weeds, is they, for the first time ever, a Roy uh, Williams team is instead of working inside out, they're working outside in. And when our guards try to get penetration, this guy comes out to the dotted or the free throw line. He's seven foot one. It wasn't believable that they're actually attacking. So everybody stayed home on the, on the perimeter to guard our three-point shooters. Plus, we didn't shoot that hot. But everyone in the country doesn't have seven foot one. Now, I don't know what happened against the Wofford Terriers. We hadn't even talked about that. That's something that I want to forget. But their only other loss is to Michigan State Spartans, who I feel like are actually the best team in the country. Well, Michigan State slid back up into the number one slot this week. I, I agree with you. I think Duke wins the ACC going away. Yep. I would not be shocked if Duke does not lose another game in the ACC. I really wouldn't. And MB3, I'm coining that. I haven't heard anybody else calling that. Marvin Bagley the third. I'm – I spent a lot of time talking with some of my Kentucky friends in the last week or two. And those guys have had the opportunity to watch up close and personal that run of freshmen coming through Kentucky mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. I believe that in terms of a finished NBA product, Marvin Bagley, the only guy that I can think of that I'm going to put into the same group as him. This is my select group of two, and I can't I can't separate the two of them. Is Carl Anthony Towns? Cat mm-hmm. came in with a complete offensive game and can play defense, rebound, run the floor. Bagley is man, he is something else. Unbelievable. Nobody in the country is really going to have an answer. They're going to have to defend him in groups. Like, so Michigan State, they're long. They're quick, long athletes with skill. I mean, basically the perfect team. And Duke got them early and, um, you know, beat Michigan State. But I bet you if they played 10 times, they'd probably go 50-50 maybe. He's going to be one of those players that you're going to have to let him do what he does and shut down everybody else. And for number two in the ACC to go back to who's going to be better than UNC, I'm kind of leaning towards Virginia. Tony Virginia's Bennett, always tough. And then They're Miami. sort of the Georgia Tech of, of college basketball. I mean, Miami as well has got a pretty solid team this year so far. Well, if you let Bagley do what he's going to do, it's going to be 21 points and 11 rebounds. And that's – Substantial in the 21 college and game. 11. Man, I think you're talking closer to, you know, 25 and 17 by the time this thing gets gets rocking and rolling. 25 and 11 right there and that that includes a couple games where he really sat. Boston College in the aftermath of Boston College's win against Duke, there was a lot of talk about how they shut Bagley down. They didn't. Bagley missed a handful of bunnies. Mm-hmm. He just had a bad day. I I don't know 
what you're going to do to stop Bagley. Now, whether or not Duke has enough around him is the question. Grayson Allen back for his senior year I think is a gift for Krzyzewski because even the best of your bigs when it comes to tournament play, it's guard play that does it. That's why I think North Carolina's got a chance to do some damage. Joel Berry, you said a couple weeks ago, Berry might be the most important player in the country. And I thought at the time after I left, I was like, you know, that's that's a big statement. I kind of – I'm not sure that I disagree with you because Joel Berry is going to take that UNC team to where it's going to go. Right. Whether that's one and done, whether that's Sweet 16, Final Four, it's going to come down to Berry. I like Williams the third. I think that may be the next best option on offense. Luke May, we were talking about this at the game. Who does Luke May play like? And you said, isn't he a lot like Grayson Allen? I don't think so. I think when I look at Luke May, I'm looking at, uh, man, sort of your consummate Big Ten power forward from 10 years ago, where you had the big corn-fed white guy who was sort of a plotter but had a good basketball IQ and just made plays. Because with Luke May, there's not a heck of a lot of athleticism there. He's just a heady guy who makes good plays. But when that's your second or third option on offense – now you got a problem. The thing I like about May is that he almost never makes mistakes. Like I agree. the ball goes Basketball to him. IQ is off the charts. He pretty much makes the right decision at all times, unlike some other players on that team. Um, you know, and Are you I had talking to talk about Theo Pinson. I was. All right. Now he did come up big on that putback when he got fouled and well, about got killed. And Pinson is Pinson is a guy who's if you watched a highlight reel of him over the last three years. Yep. You'd be like, oh, my God, he's a lottery pick. He's Everything about his game has the potential to be really, really great. He's a life athlete. He can get up and raise up off the floor. He hustles. He plays good defense. He can't shoot a lick, but he looks good doing it. Well, he's got – that's what we were talking about. Like, he's a senior that can't shoot. You would think that after getting in the gym, he could. But he's a glue guy. He is a creator. If you paid attention, he does create situations. It's just that <laughs> – it's just that – um. Sometimes those situations are turnovers going the other way. I wasn't going to say that. A little too often. But he tries to do just a little too much. And I understand it because he's a senior. Roy has basically put the captain, the C on his you know sweater or whatever you want to call it. And he is a leader. You can see it on the floor. Just like stay, play within yourself. You're probably going to be playing over in Europe. You're not playing for any NBA scouts. But the key with Carolina, I don't know how long you want to stay on this. I'm actually proud of you. The key uh, with them is Garrison Brooks or Manley, the two of the bigs. If one of those guys come around and actually mature, I mean, these guys are young guys. Dean, The great Dean Smith always said – the true bigs need about three years, four years in the program before they actually grasp the game. If we can get one of those two to hit, we might be cooking with the gas because this is the first time in a long time we haven't played with some of the best, you know, from Bryce Johnson, you name it, um, some of the better bigs in the country. And we're just not there yet. But, yeah, Joel Berry, Kenny Williams, Luke May, that's a good start. But um, Duke, before we get out of the ACC – this is the first time they've had a team that totally opposite from Carolina in a long time plays inside out rather than shooting well, from the perimeter. And and that's a credit to Coach K adjusting instead of just plugging people into his formula. 
you've got Duvall and you've got Bagley, two of the best freshman bigs in the country. And Bagley, everything as advertised. And it's funny to me to see the basketball heads scramble because they've completely forgotten how they blew up Michael Porter Jr., and he's the lock number one player in the country, number one pro prospect to be the first player taken. And now it's like, well, we had Bagley and Porter as one and two. Uh, Don't even try (laughs) it. Michael Porter's a kid you've been talking about for three years. Don't even try it. It's too late. Oh, you mean you guys, you think Jason Tatum's good too? Right. Welcome to the party. Well, speaking of Tatum, we're going to do two more things the rest of the way, and I don't know what else on top Just of that. But we're going to talk one about more, one more before I get oh, off. All right, here of, we go. Of Duke, I got a secret for all you guys out there, all you NCAA fans. There's not going to be a Lehigh this year. There's not going to be a Mercer. Duke is built. They're going to beat you in a multitude of different ways. <laughs> and Chris, you and I said, and I'm not ashamed to say it, unless they run into Michigan State. Duke's going to win another national championship this year. you got to go ahead the, and put it down. The problem with college basketball, not the problem, the greatest thing, is the next three months are going to be mayhem. This is the first time since 1948 that we haven't had an undefeated team in the top 25 before that. New Year's. It's amazing. It's going to be mayhem. We can sit here and analyze anything. But we have no it is. idea and what's in store. I do want to throw out there, too. Look out for Kentucky. I've got two things we're going to cover on the other side that you're really going to want to listen to. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. In the final segment, we're going to give our NFL playoff predictions. So you want to listen up, and uh, before you make any wagers, you want to listen to what? Myself. Brandon Atkins and Trent Nichols have to say. But before that, for, for the next 10 for or 12 minutes. For entertainment purposes only. Yeah, for entertainment purposes only. We wouldn't condone betting. And if you get yourself in trouble, call a gambling hotline. Yeah. What I want to do here in the next 15 minutes or so is I want to talk. It's almost midseason for the NBA. We did a lot of draft coverage. We talked about Jason Tatum incessantly trying to get it into the heads of first the Celtics, who had the number one pick, and then trade it out. And then tried to tell the Sixers, don't pull the trigger on Fultz. But they did. The Lakers passed on Jason Tatum and took Lonzo Ball. But my point is, we talk a lot of basketball here. I think it would be interesting because I haven't seen anybody else do it. I want to know... 
we need to come up with our all-rookie team for the first half of this season. Okay? And we asked the question the other day and committed that, yes, Ben Simmons is a rookie. All right, the NBA, in terms of his stats and whatever he achieves, will consider this to be his rookie season. So for the purposes of our little <laughs> exercise here, we'll, keep, we'll include Simmons there. Now, I at the say point for- guard for our all-rookie team, is there any disputing that Ben Simmons is our point guard? No. Trent? No, I'll have him as the uh, point guard. Okay, just for, just for giggles. If Ben Simmons was not included in this rookie class because of his injury last year, would Lonzo Ball be your point guard then? Brandon? I'm No, not for me. Who would you have? Man, you know how I feel about Lonzo Ball. I think the whole family is a clown. Um, I like probably Dennis Smith Jr., First half of the se- well, first half of the first half of the season, he's kind of slowed down. But De'Aaron Fox, what do you think? Fox is getting good minutes. Um, Who would you with, rather have on your team? Well, that's that's a no brainer for me. I take De'Aaron Fox every day of the week. Fox is down there in Sacramento, and there's that's a team that's struggling to find its identity. There's a lot of young talent down there. I like Heald. Heald is the it, that's. The thing that makes me crazy with the Kings is you see a healed one night and he'll have 22 points one night, and then he won't play the next night. And he's a, it's not a healthy scratch. It's just the rotation. They haven't settled what they're doing there in Sacramento. Right. But when I see De'Aaron Fox on the floor, he looks to me like a guy that's been playing point guard in the NBA for you know four or five years. And he's right. comfortable. He's that athletic. He can blow by you. He needs to shoot a little bit better. But I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. I see things from him that say, yes, he'll be a steady contributor and possibly even a star in the NBA for a very long time. So based on resume, though, up to this point, it's hard to turn my nose up at Lonzo Ball. He's averaging, what, 10, 7, and 7? Yeah. The problem is I think that's closer to his ceiling than other people do. Yeah, but when you're – for the Lakers – you know, this is the same kid that Magic Johnson said, this guy's going to take my records. Haven't we been force-fed Lonzo Ball? Aren't those minutes just given to him for no good reason? Of course we have. I mean, okay. the two things that we've been force-fed this year have been Lonzo Ball and Joel Embiid. I'm tired of hearing about Embiid and the Sixers. They're not going to make the playoffs. i got to ask you a question about that later. All right. But, dude, if I'm playing church basketball and you put me out there for the entire game, I'm at least get six points. Boom. That's kind of what I'm getting at with Ball is that, well, he's a great rebounding guard. Well, he's a good rebounding guard. But you're also talking about a team that throws up a lot of shots and basically has four small forwards on the floor at any point with Lonzo Ball. Um, he's going to get some rebounds. Yeah. You know, if you're out there and you've played that many minutes and when he's played, he's hurt again now. When he's played, he's on the floor for an awful lot of minutes and I think they're coming to him. So, I, I don't know. I will – it doesn't matter because we said Ben Simmons is our point guard, period. Boom. Yeah. Everybody's on board with that. Shooting guard. You know what? Screw it. I think Bagley is on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Can we just go ahead and Dude. say he's on this team? <sighs> yeah, sure. Anyway, uh, shooting guard, what do you think? Uh, Donovan Mitchell, and it's not even close. Okay. Out of Donovan Mitchell might 
mess around by the time it's all said and done be an all-star this year. Donovan Mitchell is the truth. Donovan Mitchell surprised me. Coming out of Louisville, I thought he was a nice player. But you and I talk all the time about how 6'4 to 6'7 swingmen are a dime a dozen. Donovan Mitchell has shocked me with his ability to get to the hole and put it up from long range. I saw him in the summer league, and he, to me, was the most compelling player I got to see during summer league. Mm -hmm. And the first time out, I watched – I watched the Jazz play Portland because I wanted to see Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan and see if I thought they were going to get any minutes this year, right. see what those guys looked like. And Donovan Mitchell jumped off the screen at me. I went out of my way to watch Utah play a couple more times, and Donovan Mitchell didn't disappoint. And I thought, this guy, is he's got it. And he reminds me, I know this is heretical, he reminds me of Russell Westbrook. Mm. he's got that type of athleticism. He's got that type of well-rounded game. And he's the type kid who strikes me at a very early point in his career who just isn't scared of anything. He's fearless and never wavers. I like Donovan Mitchell a lot, and I think Donovan Mitchell has the potential to become a superstar in the NBA. And that kind of comes out of nowhere because he's not a guy that was taken you know, with with – uh, much belief around the league that he was going to be a star. Right. But he's there. Small forward, plowing through this, Jason Tatum, and it's not even close. <laughs> All right. Tatum, we ought to be consultants for these teams. Yeah. We, we are not going to go deep into the draft and tell them who to take with that six-round you know pick in the NFL. But, man, the best player in the country last year in terms of potential was Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is living up to that. He continues to get better, and he's not playing a zillion minutes. He's the type of guy I don't think is going to suffer when he hits this rookie wall. I think he's going to be just fine. That's why Duke's going to be good probably for another seven or eight years now because Kay or whoever takes over the job for him can go right back to picking up the phone, calling Jason Tatum. Here's my boy Jason Tatum. Tatum is next level. He is next level. And I think that that he is going to be a solid pro for a very long time. I think he's going to be a star for a very long time. And I think that at some point, because of the market he's in – because of the type team that surrounds him, I think he will be a legitimate superstar. And you know what kind of warmed my heart a little bit is even when we're not like – because we didn't think this guy was going to be lights out, but he was in the list of top 15 when I was taking a look at it. Dylan Brooks is repping out their son. Boom. We were talking about Dylan Boom. Brooks. Not bad for a guy that didn't get taken in the first round, right? You heard it you. here, folks. You did, and I told you Brooks would get minutes. Brooks will be fine. Brooks is going to be a good, solid – yeah. NBA pro for a very long time. And he's out there, came out of nowhere, and is getting significant minutes out there in Memphis and just keeps getting a little bit better, a little bit better. He's the type of guy. He's fearless. He plays both ways. Yep. He's good. Now, big men in the NBA, unless you're really special, it's uncommon for these bigs to come in and and, and contribute right unless away. Unless you're coming out of Kentucky. Now, I'm going to cheat this a little bit. <laughs> So that I can get these two guys onto the squad, I'm going to say it power forward. I'm going to put Larry Markinen. I like it. Now, Markinen is a perimeter player, but he definitely has the size to play the four. So for my rookie squad, I'm going to put Markinen at the four. Trent, you have anybody else you'd rather see there? At the four? Yeah. I mean, you got Kuzma sitting right there. Kuzma small forward. 
I, I Kuzma's a small forward. I guess you could call him a four. I don't know. So Kuzma versus Markinen, I guess it comes down to. And then By the way, with, with Collins sneaking right see, I'm behind him Collins in Atlanta, at center. that's that's why I put Markinen. Big enough, yeah. yeah. But by the way, I want to stay with Markinen. But even with the Dylan Brooks, you getting that Joker for like eight hundred thousand a year, and he's turning in results. Yeah. Anyway, Markinen, he's for the last ten games, he's played played average twenty six minutes a game and averaging almost fifteen points a game. Yeah, that's and they wanted solid. him to come in and be a poor man's Dirk Nowitzki. He's got touch. I've watched enough Chicago Bulls basketball. He's been a component of that because he stretches the floor. Right. Uh, and probably plays a little bit more defense and rebounds a little bit more than Nowitzki was ever willing to do. But I like Markin a lot. Um, where are you at with that, Trent? Kuzma, Kuzma has come on strong late, but he's hurt again. So when you look at the body work, you have to measure that in. Who do you want? I'm going to let you make the call. Kuzma or Markinen at the four? See, our, our team's a little undersized if we could Kuzma there, but that's okay. Yeah, this I know, and that's the thing. I mean, Kuzma's kind of that that three four I blend. I think Kuzma's a three straight up. Yeah. I mean, he's six nine. He's long. He's lean. He's but he's he's not going to go down and pound in the paint. But in this day and age, in today's NBA, you don't need that anyway. So you make the call straight up. Kuzma or Markinen. Markinen's not getting any run nationally because Chicago's horrible. Even though they've run off, you know, they ran off eight but or nine I, straight if Get marketing, or if I take Kuzma, I mean, I have that guy to come in for Tatum, you know, True. but then I'm awful small. So don't I mean, overthink I, it. But these are all good problems to have. This they is are. a good squad right here. I like it. I think in the long run, Kuzma, I don't see this transitioning for the next 15 years, 10 years right. playing. So I'm going to go with marketing. All right. And I'm going to throw something out there about Kuzma. Kuzma has come out. And is making a living from three-point land. When he was at Utah, he was looked at as a flawed prospect because he didn't shoot well. And among other things, was only a 63% free throw shooter for his career at Utah. Mm -hmm. So this touch from long range is either a flash in the pan or it's a credit to extra work that he's put in and developed the shot. And time will tell as we move forward. And and Markkinen's not shooting that much worse. Well, Markkinen than Kuzma. Markkinen from three point. Markkinen was known as a sharpshooter though coming into this draft. That's what you know made him a top ten pick. So like we'll, it'll be interesting to see what it says. About thirty five percent. Gotcha. And you know if you can shoot thirty five percent, you're seven foot tall. You can make a lot of millions of dollars. And Kuzma shooting thirty nine percent right now. That's a lot better than improved? he shot in college. Yeah. I mean. So we'll see if it, it we'll see if it holds up. Are you telling me that practicing your shot makes you better sometimes? Practice? Yeah, Are you talking about practice? Jeez, what I a know, concept. Right? Now, at the center position, this is the one I I, I am a little bit ashamed oh, because man. I host a sports talk radio show. And until I until I started peeling it back, I didn't even realize what John Collins was doing this year for Atlanta. John Collins, when he was at Wake Forest, was a one-man gang. And he's gone to Atlanta on it was what a putrid basketball team. But Collins is handling his business, shooting almost 60% from the field. He's going for about 12 and 8 right now. And for a young big man, that's a big deal. I've only seen Atlanta play a couple of times this year. But I'm impressed. 
And I went and saw it, looked at some highlight, and he's doing exactly what he did in college in the NBA. And I wasn't sure he'd be able to play with his back to the basket in the NBA, but he is. Brandon, what are your thoughts about John Collins? Well, I mean, he's just yet another name that if you play back the tape, we were talking a lot about John Collins. You know, if you're talking about in the NCAAs, um, so you're saying he's your sen- your center. He's my center. You got a big team now. Between well, when you when you factor in that Simmons is six ten, and Markinen at the four is seven foot, and then John Collins, who's a little undersized at center, right? He's six ten, six eleven. So I wouldn't call it a big team, but well, it, it, we're okay. not going to get we're well, not going to have anybody backing us down. I got a question about the Sixers. Do you want to round out this top pop yeah, five first? You go ahead. No, I, I, so that's it. That's where we're agreed. Okay. We're taking Simmons at point guard, Donovan Mitchell at the two. We lose a little height there because he's only about 6'3". We've got Tatum at the three, so we've got some size there. Markinen at the four, and our center is John Collins. And we'll go ahead and throw Kuzman as the sixth man. Is everybody like good it. with that? I'm yeah. good with that. Boom. No Lonzo Ball, no Markel Fultz. Mm. No Dennis Smith Jr., and I'm going to tell you, no Malik Monk. And we thought Malik Monk might be the steal of the draft. Malik Monk has proven to be what people were afraid he was, and that's a guy that's not going to play any defense. We'll finish that up on the other side and make our playoff predictions for the NFL. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, final segment in the New Year's edition of From the Cheap Seats. We appreciate you hanging out on the WBLZ network. If you're listening on the podcast, we would really, really, really appreciate a five-star rating. One-star ratings, we will come visit you and handle. Handle business. Hey, before we get off to the NFL, just quick question. I want to hear your thoughts. The Sixers. Yes. Ben Simmons, don't you just take a dose of reality and start cutting back his minutes? I mean, I know he's in the running for Rookie of the Year, but but don't you plan – if you're the Sixers, don't you, I mean you're two games out of the playoffs. I know you won your last two. Big deal. You're not making the playoffs, right? I here's the thing. I think it's important to Philadelphia that they not appear to anyone to be taking their foot off the throttle because they've been so bad for so long and it was put, you know, Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. Well, this is supposed to be the year that they're starting to turn the corner. Mm-hmm. I think with Simmons, things are twofold. First of all, the league is starting to solve him. You can back off. He can't shoot. Yep. Now, he's a guy three, four years from now, if he develops a jumper, Ben Simmons might be one of the best three or four players in basketball. He can't shoot. And in this day and age, you have to have one through three have to be able to hoist a jumper up. Embiid has got to be making his teammates crazy at some point. Because you never know up to game time whether he's going to be able to play or not. Embiid, to me, I am selling. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, this sounds crazy. If I'm the general manager in, in Philadelphia, I would on the down low entertain any offer for Embiid. Mm. I mean that. Embiid is not going to be a I can superstar see, in the NBA. I can see you holding your jacket up. He goes, you're saying, here's one of these Embiids, and I'll throw a Fultz in if you Boom. just go ahead. And- <laughs> I, Embiid, for Jason Tatum. I mean, at what, point, at what point do you have to see this guy getting therapy on his back, his feet, everything? He's a man-child. Much like Greg Oden was, his body is breaking down at a very young age. That doesn't get better for men that are that big. See Bill Walton. See Greg Oden. See anybody you want to talk about. Sam Bowie. Brothers. Once those guys start to break down, you never see a guy, well, it's good to see this big make it back from all these injuries and surgeries. That doesn't happen. And I don't know how this affects your cap, but I would throw in J.J. Reddick. That takes well, twenty three million yeah, a year off. No, Reddick was a strategic that. was a strategic signing because cap they game. wanted to tie that cap space up this year. Reddick's on a one year deal, yeah. so Reddick they signed for one year, just like Kentavious Pope Caldwell. Yep, uh, Caldwell Pope is it Pope Caldwell? KCP Caldwell Pope out of L A. Nobody's going to question you. Well, they signed that guy. They signed him for one year to tie up that salary so that it would leave when he's off the books. Reddick, that's why they signed him. He fills a spot now, holds that cap space, so that they can make a run at LeBron James next year. LeBron James. So, gentlemen, speaking of LeBron, tomorrow night after trivia, are you guys uh, watching Isaiah Thomas and the Cavaliers versus the Celtics? Of course. IT makes his comeback Wednesday night for the Cavaliers. Have you heard Jalen Rose talk about his return? Big on Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Says he's a big difference maker. Coming back, Cleveland's going to be the favorites. Clear mm-hmm. cut now. We're going to see it. I think we he will. comes back I mean, the tonight. Celtics have come back to reality. I think people are sleeping on Toronto, and it bothers me that the two big dogs that cover the NBA, ESPN and TNT, don't want to give Toronto their due. Toronto's playing good basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the most efficient defensive team in basketball. They've got a legit superstar in DeRozan. Kyle Lowry's a nice number two, and they've got a lot of role players who are not afraid to get down there, throw elbows, get busy, and do the dirty work. I like <laughs> Toronto. I don't know that Toronto can beat Cleveland in a seven-game series, mm-hmm. but don't sleep on those guys. And Washington, when they get back healthy, Washington has the best record in basketball against teams that are 500 or better, they just have to quit losing games that they're not supposed to lose. Yeah, They they sleep on the bunnies. Trip, we're going around the horn. Pull up the NFL schedule for this weekend for us. We got four big games. I'll go ahead it's and start. It's the NFL wild card round. I'll start it off. Saturday. Boom. Oh, you got it? Saturday. Game by game. Saturday at 420, you have the Titans versus the Chiefs. What do you got? I'm gonna have to go with the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. On I'm this taking one. Kansas City. Tennessee doesn't have a prayer. Chiefs, boom. We're Chiefs. unanimous. It's the Chiefs. We don't get unanimous very often. So take the Chiefs. It's the 8:15 game. Game I'm excited about. Falcons and the L.A. Rams. What you got? I am going with the L.A. Rams. I'm taking the Falcons. You've got to you, you got to be a giant killer if you're the if you're the Rams. And I'm not sure Golf is ready to beat. Atlanta, I think that Matt Ryan and those boys, even though they sputtered, I like their number one options on offense better than I like St. Louis. St. Louis is too heavy on Todd Gurley. Atlanta and that coaching staff will figure out how to take away Gurley. 
It's a Saturday, so at Mercedes-Benz, you can't get Chick-fil-A, but it don't matter because they're not there. They're in L.A. I take the Rams. <laughs> the Rams. All right. All right, so you got two going with the Rams. I'm lone wolfing it out there to steal from one of those stupid shows on Sunday morning. <laughs> Sun- Sunday at 1 o'clock, the Bills circling the wagon against the Jaguars. I'm going to take the Bills. I am too. Actually. I jumped. Oh my God! I thought I was going out there by myself. No, again. no, no. I'm taking Blake Buffalo because I watched this. what they did. I mean, they almost beat the Panthers. They should have beat the Panthers. Their defense is legit. They had good wins this year. They are emotionally on higher than any other team in football and the city. Buffalo, baby. Who you got? I, I got Jacksonville. All right. Uh, it's a tight one. Buffalo misses field goal wide right. Oh. Jacksonville. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And the last game of the weekend. Last game of the weekend. 440 in New Orleans. You got the Saints and the Panthers. Got to take Carolina. Saints can't beat them three times in one year. What do you got, Trent? 70% of the time says that the team that won the season sweep wins the playoff matchup, oh. man. I think Cam Newton is going to be the worst version of himself. Oh, gosh. Because he's going to be overconfident, thinking he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And Drew Brees will say, not so fast. New Orleans with the W. New Orleans is a tough place to get a W, too. I was the only one to pick them the first time they played right here on this show. I'm riding with them. Brandon, I know where you're going. This hurts my heart to say this. It's New Orleans. They're going to win. But what I plan on doing is I'm actually going to put money on New Orleans to give my Panthers a fighting chance because that works. When I See, do, when I right. bet against the Tar Heels. That's like him picking Wisconsin, man. He's riding on my freaking coattails, and he's going with the Saints. All right, so we teased one category of trivia for January 3rd, and that was geography with U.S. cities. The next one, obviously, we've got to have some playoff trivia. So it's some NFL tri- playoff trivia coming. That's two categories teased. I do have to give a shout-out to the Buffalo fans. Because Andy Dalton, in the closing seconds, beat Baltimore. And overnight, there were hundreds of Buffalo area donors to the Andy Dalton Foundation. They raised a lot of money for sick children. $57,000 as of yesterday. God bless it. And most of those coming in $17 increments to represent the 17 years since Buffalo had been in the the, – Playoffs. Welcome so to good tr- for those Buffalo fans, I'm, and I'm I Chris, want some of those wings that they're talking about. I'm Crystal Lambert. Well, welcome to Trivia Night. First question, did the Bengals make the playoffs? Oh, that would be <laughs> circle the no. Hey, I think Buffalo, if they play the Patriots, I think they're going to be the toughest out that the Patriots have. Wow. How about this Cheerio smell up in here? <laughs> Buffalo... <laughs> Buffalo Bills. How about Rex Ryan? We need to go back on the record, though. As we sit here today, who are your Super Bowl participants? I I am uh, picking the New England Patriots already. I've picked them. They're going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to win it against the home team, Minnesota Vikings. Wow. Okay. Patriots v. the Saints. Battle of the two of the best quarterbacks. All right, North Carolina. I'm taking New England. And them Panthers, just because. Casey, just don't kick the kickoff out of bounds. Okay? Like you did in the first. Oh, you don't play there anymore. (laughs) You're out of control. All right, NBA, any last thoughts about Lonzo Ball or anything else in the NBA? He sucks. That's what. (laughs) 
Lonzo Ball is going to be a Hall of Fame coach for the Ball College Basketball <laughs> League for all those kids there's, that the Ball family makes. There's going to be better shooting in Lithuania by a ball. Man, has anybody gotten an update? Have they have they played a game in Lithuania yet? I don't know, but I they're think saying they just that they're going to play. For it. Really? I think they had to report like the 28th of December. Well, we will definitely, definitely be keeping you updated on the box scores for the younger ball brothers. Um, I did not get any big baller brand shoes in my Christmas stocking this year. I was a little disappointed. Because you were a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> you, were on the, you weren't on the naughty list. I didn't get any Adidas either. Well, oh, gun. man. Well, maybe one of your kids will when it gets time for them to be recruited. Just have that middle brother steal you some. Yeah, right. It'll be all good. <laughs> all right. And uh, last thoughts, Carolina Panthers out of last place – or Carolina Panthers. Carolina Hurricanes out of last place in the Metro for the first time in forever. They got some games in hand. We played the Caps tonight. Go Canes. I'll be wearing my darling jersey, even though he probably won't be in the net. Go Cam. Go Cam Ward, baby. Listen, if you're listening around the country and you're sleeping on the Carolina Hurricanes, that's a young team that plays a really fun brand of hockey. Don't be surprised if they make some headway. If they can get into the playoffs, nobody's going to want to play them. Those guys play an open, fun style and a lot of individual talent out there. They are one point out of the playoffs right now in the wild card to the Islanders. 44 points for the Islanders, 43 for Carolina. You know, everyone's been saying, wait till next year. They're building, they're building. Guys, this is legit. Yeah. And they have more talent up in Charlotte than they probably have in the NHL right now. Hey, and Chris, do not let Nedge see Sebastian Ajo, okay? Because you'll lose her forever. <laughs> he is a pretty young man, isn't he? Both of my girls love He's him. Uh, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, Sebastian Ajo, him and T- uh, Tara Vinen. I am a little scared every time I see Ajo on the ice because I think somebody's going to break him. He's so little. <laughs> no, nah, he's not like Skinner. This guy fights back. He is gritty and he's talented. So, All right, thanks. Happy New Year, everybody. We will see you next week. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.